Good morning, Sarah Heppala. Good morning, Nancy Rollman. Happy almost Thanksgiving. Happy almost Thanksgiving. Have you made your pie crust yet? Yeah, I bought it at Emporium Pies. <laughs> I, uh, there's this place in Dallas called Emporium Pies. It is like the best. I think, did we have that when you were down? Isn't that owned by someone, some like influencer or something? No. Okay. No, I, we, didn't, I mean, we didn't go there. We went to some cupcakes. We went to a cupcake influential. Place. Okay. We, we went to a cupcake place. I wonder what we did. Anyway. I don't know. Okay. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. We, it was a cupcake. We wouldn't know. We don't no. know our own lives. <laughs> well, I know. Um, all right. So what? So you bought anyway? Crust yes, or... it's a it's a it's a chocolate French silk pie, and it's Ooh. like so good. It has like graham cracker crust, and so that's yeah. That's this is my contribution to the Hepala Thanksgiving. Okay. So I will make my pie crusts today because I'm going to a little sort of friends Thanksgiving tomorrow for a little while. And then we're having our Thanksgiving on Friday for reasons that don't bear going into. Um, but you got to make the pecan pie in advance because it has to set. It, you can't like bring a sloshy pecan pie. So I will make my pecan pies today. And then on Friday, we'll make the pumpkin pie and the rest of the uh, meal. And I have to say, I did my pie talk uh, last week. It was great, the Thanksgiving pie talk. And I said I was going to be roasting a goose, which I'd never done. I looked it up oh, and I looked wow. at YouTubes and the tremendous amount of fat that you get and then how you roast your potatoes in it and everything. And then I got to the store yesterday and the frozen goose, the frozen geese were geese. $120 each and the frozen duck nope. was $28. So we're having duck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, because I'm not going to cook a turkey, we're only going to have five or maybe seven people here on Friday. So I'm going to make a duck. I've never done that before. Between the two of us, I think we'll we'll figure it out. And then, uh, roast yeah. roasting a goose is so old school, holiday appropriate. It feels very Christmassy, though, right? Isn't there like a <clears throat> the Christmas the goose? goose is getting fat? Yeah, yeah. I well, we're not having it. So, um, and then uh, one of our listeners, um, John, uh, let us know or let me know in the notes that. He ate a goose one year on, I don't know, Thanksgiving or Christmas, and then also drank champagne. And it was the worst hangover he's ever had in his life somehow because goose is super, super, super fatty. I don't know. Something oh. about that in the champagne. So be warned, anyone. Um, let's avoid that. So, um, yeah. Hi. Well, we wish our listeners a happy Thanksgiving. Yes. We're very grateful for your support your community, your feedback, your laughter, your love, live, laugh, love. <laughs> hey, it's got a ring. Uh, we yeah. were also grateful to our listener, Dorothy, who very, very early in the podcast started a Spotify list called, what's the name of this podcast? It's probably got, <laughs> I mean, we've, we've done, we've done more than a hundred episodes. So I don't know how many songs are on there. Probably about a hundred. And I listened to some of them when I was driving upstate yesterday, I listened to the playlist and it's really good guys. It's really fun. It's really upbeat for the most part. I would keep every song so far, except for maybe the 20, 21 jump street. Is that what it was called? The 20. No, you have to keep that. You have to keep the 21 <laughs> jump street. We never thought of finding a place where we belong. So uh, that's, anyway. a, that's a jam. That's a jam. We will, um, we will, uh, <laughs> that is, but it's weird to come it's in. Like, what? You're like, what? All this, like, you know, ELO and Wilco and all this stuff. And that's yeah. like, what? Anyway, so we'll put a list in the, uh, in the show notes. Jump. And yes, we are very grateful for you guys. It is a season of gratitude. It 
really like the more you grateful you are, the more the more grateful you are. It's just funny how that feeds it. So thank you, especially thank you to our paid subscribers. Um, if you feel like being super grateful, you can become a paid subscriber or give you, your friends um, a paid subscription. We would love it. So we are here today. We're here today. We have a little theme today, which seems yeah, very- Yeah, but before that, oh, can I make oh, an sorry. announcement? That's right. Yes, yes. I wanted to make an announcement that um, I'm going to be the guest speaker at our friend Megan Dom's uh, Unspeakeasy Retreat in Austin, Texas in March, March 2nd and 3rd. So um, if you don't know the Unspeakeasy Retreats, these are a really cool gathering of, you know, it's it's ladies only. Sorry, sorry, men. I think she's uh, she's going to eventually open this up. But, but it, it started as a way for like-minded women to get together and kind of speak freely about things on their heart and in their lives and politics, social issues, whatever. Uh, Megan has a great community over there at the Unspeakable Podcast. She's also one half of the the team on a Special Place in Hell. So Megan's very active in the podcast world. And I'm really excited to be doing this. And so if you would like to come to the Unspeakeasy Retreat, I shall be there. Fantastic. I spoke at one of hers last year here in uh, New York. That was great, actually. It was really, um, we sat in this really cool sort of room in the in the woods and it really, really smart people asking really smart questions and engaging in really good dialogue. I recommend it. I recommend it. It's a great community. Yeah. Um, so I, I was uh, texting my better half over here. Uh, and I said, I think our, our, I don't know what the title of this podcast will be because Sarah always comes up with them, but it's like revolution, revolution. There is, um, there's some revolution in the air right now, uh, that both of us have been paying attention to. And there was a movie, uh, a documentary that came out, a crowdfunded documentary that came out. Do you want to, you want to tee up that documentary for us, Sarah, since you're the one that told me about it. Yeah, there is a documentary called The Fall of Minneapolis. Um, this is something that was crowdfunded, and it was done by a group called Alpha News, which is a Minnesota-based news organization that that, that has a a right a rightward tilt, and you know for that reason, it has sparked you know very predictable kind of partisan reactions, right, is that um, when you look at uh, what coverage has been done about this documentary, which is available for free online, it's streaming on Rumble, and, um, you know, you'll find that it's been covered in Fox News, New York Post, Daily Mail, and then pretty much nothing else, not even like the Minneapolis... Star Tribune. Um, not even the Minneapolis News is covering this. So this is about the death of George Floyd. And it it follows that story from a a number of perspectives, but it's primary look primarily looking at the perspective of the cops involved in the case and the cops um on the force as the city erupted. And it has a number of very interesting, very compelling interviews. Um, but you know, one of the one of the big questions about this is going to be: to what extent is this biased? Right? Um, 
I think it's I think it's fair to say that it does have, you know, a bias. And yet and and by the way, it's it's made by uh, the host of it is a woman named Liz Collin. Uh, Liz Collin was a news anchor on the uh, Minneapolis News. It eventually came out that she was married to the president of the police union. Right. And there was a chain, you know, there were various kind of um, attempts to get her ousted from that position. If you if you Google her name, you will come across a change.org uh, petition that says, ask Liz Collin to step down due to white supremacy ties. Um, so anyway, uh, she was eventually uh, in, in her book that she writes about this episode, she says, I was blacklisted. I went from being a familiar face on WCCO TV down to being on the news barely a minute a day. Um, and we should, we should say had, that the, the title of her book was, and which came out in 2022, is They're Lying, the media, <laughs> the, media the Left, and the Death of George Floyd. So just in case, you know, you didn't know what the book was about, you now you know. Yeah, in case you didn't know where she was coming from on yeah, this yeah, yeah. on this topic. Um, but this video has already gotten a million views. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's... Okay, so it's about an hour and a half long. And uh, I'm going to tell you what I... What was new to me. And, and, you know, part of me was like, did I miss this in the coverage? Like, I'm having a little trouble of, like, remembering what was reported at the time, you know? But you see a lot, you know, one of the things that this does is it gives you a lot more context for that nine and a half minutes that we know, right? Like, everyone is familiar with the nine and a half minutes that are filmed from a bystander's perspective. And what this is doing is kind of widening the lens to show you a little bit more about what happens before and even during that time. Uh, and then, of course, takes you through the next months. Um, some of the big revelations here, uh, I think the biggest one for me is that the position that Derek Chauvin is using at that time, uh, often referred to as he was placing a knee on Floyd's neck. Well, if you see the footage from a different vantage point, which is the police body cam vantage point, as opposed to the videos we always saw, which were had been filmed by bystanders. Um, But if you're looking at go ahead, continue. Yeah, no, that you see that it appears to be that the the knee is more on the shoulder and the back. Which and is, this is, you know, the the chief of police very clearly stated this was had nothing to do with their training. But as they show in this documentary, there are actually um, instruction manual illustrations of this technique known as the maximal restraint technique. MRT. It, it is in in the way they, they show it in the documentary in various illustrations from the training books including the training books of the people. Derek Chauvin's mother, I believe, shows his training books, which, of course, people say, well, this is completely legitimate. Um, This is a move um, that the police use. And I don't think anybody should be surprised that police sometimes have to restrain people, especially in this case when you watch, you know, they show the, the 
whatever it is, nine and a half, eight minutes and 47, it's contested how long it is. And, and they did right. have a really good montage of, of politicians and, and news heads, like giving completely different numbers, numbers that just keep expanding and expanding. Um, yeah. it, that, you know, George Floyd was not someone who willingly wanted to get in the police car. Now we can argue um, or I'm sure it, and it should be argued or debated or, or talked about like, well, should he have been arrested in the first place? So for people that don't know, and I'm sure there are people that don't know, George Floyd was placed under arrest or it was going to be um, detained because he had passed or was believed that he had just passed a um, counterfeit bill at Cup Foods, which is a sort of bodega corner store in Minneapolis, I've been there. I've reported from there, from from uh, from from George now called George Floyd Square, and mm -hmm. they called the police in. By the way, a black officer was the first one that came in and said, "The guy, we've got it all on tape. It's on the guy's body cam." And he's like, "Yeah, it's this guy. They knew George Floyd. He was a guy from the neighborhood. He's like here. He's sitting in the car across the street." And uh, the officer went over and said, "You know, banged on his window with the nightstick or whatever it was, and said." You know, roll down your window, rolled it. Now, I will say, watching the video, it was a little, it was a little aggressive. It was aggressive. I thought the same thing. I was, was going to ask you if you thought that. I, I did. The initial interaction was, to to my observation, unusually, or it seemed a little unnecessarily aggressive. Hundred percent contentious, you know, just like he's 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 yelling at him, you know, and and Floyd, who's often described as this kind of you know nice guy, he he doesn't seem uh, angry. I mean, he's just sitting in the car in the beginning. Well, kind of, he's very, you know, he's very immediately, like if you or I were sitting in our car and a cop banged on the window, I'd be like, wait, what? Um, George Floyd immediately breaks down and starts to, but what, what, no, no, well, don't, he, don't shoot me. Don't shoot me. Don't shoot me. Wait, what? It's, it's like, it's very, it's weird. I had this weird sense. And he started saying things like, I just lost my mother. Turns out it was two years earlier. Uh, I got shot last time, but that a cop did this to me. Turns out that was not true. He seemed to have a bit of, um, it sounds kind of cynical. He seemed to have sort of, um, he, he'd been there before and he was probably legitimately nervous. Nobody's not going to be nervous. Um, but also he wanted to elicit the sort of maybe um, uh, sympathy of the officers. Don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. I'm scared. Now we don't know how scared he was, but you know, you, you could argue that he had, he had reason to be scared. He also proved to be quite, um, quite squirmy and even sort of belligerent. Um, mm -hmm. there's also a pretty indicting shot that they show several times of, he was, he, he put, some drugs in his mouth to get rid of them, which they knew that he'd done before. The last time he'd been arrested, he had done it and he'd admitted that he'd done it at that point. And they have a shot of George Floyd basically with some some sort of pill, white pill substance on his tongue. I don't know if he'd done it before they tapped on the window or if he was trying to hide the evidence. But before we continue, I do want to say one thing about this sort of an overall impression that I got from the jump. Now, I'm very interested in this story, having reported on the protests <laughs> deeply um, after the killing of George Floyd, also having been to the trial in Minneapolis uh, when the police were on trial and having reported from that area of Minneapolis, I was very interested in seeing this. 
immediately from the jump, this documentary shows its hand. It tips its hand. And that really, I felt, was, I guess what they say when people have been red-pilled and they just like, they I better show you everything I have, you're going to be on my side. They tip their hand to me because the first thing they do is they start showing all the times George Floyd has been arrested in the past. He's been arrested for this. He's had this. He's had aggravated assault. He's with this. And so we walk in already freighted. We know where this is going to go. And I, I think that you could have used this information at some point. I would never, as trying to tell a story, a balanced story, have opened with that. And so for me, I was like, Okay. I mean, I'm not saying that there wasn't really important and fascinating information in here that was completely never shown by the media. And we know that, and we'll get into that. But I felt that they tipped their hands so fast that instead of making me go, whoa, it made me go, okay, all right, I'm going to come along on the ride and I hope right. you show interesting stuff. And you do. And they they show sympathetic stuff, but it was, um, it was, uh, it was, it, that's where I saw the bias coming in. And I'm not saying they shouldn't be biased. I'm not saying that they're not absolutely livid be, at, at what happened because the story was not reported as they see it should have been. But it was um, it lessened it to me a little bit. Well, one of one of the reasons I would assume that they begin with that information is because it wasn't really reported at the time. Like there is a lot of his priors that didn't come out in early news stories. I, I think that's true. I mean, there was, I think there was to a bit. I think even, you know, places that seemed to be very- No, eventually they yeah. did. Eventually it did yeah. come out. But there were a lot of, there was a lot of resistance. I mean, I remember like, and, and it was people like Candace Owens that were coming out and saying, you know, let's look at this guy's priors. And there were things like holding- um a gun to yeah. a pregnant woman's stomach. You know, yeah. I remember seeing, um, you know, that woman's sister writing things, you know, like, why is nobody talking about what he did to my sister? And, and I, I, at that time, this was early on. I wasn't seeing that. Of course not. No, 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 no. Of course not. Of course not. The narrative was so massive. It got so massive so fast that that sister's voice was just a tiny little squeak under the actually millions, if not yeah. billions of people believing that they were now, George Floyd was now going to be the avatar, whatever you want to call it, the cause that we could take out all of the righteous anger that had been building for, if, if not decades, that certainly, you know, for the past couple of years and the anger, it was going to be now. And there was no way, I mean, okay, <laughs> there were ways to counter that narrative and people tried. People tried to write some fair stories, but they got completely drowned out by by the narrative that that was the preferred narrative. So let me go back to a couple of other things that I thought uh, were, were new information to me. And again, I'm not sure if this is because I wasn't following it as closely as I should have been. Um, there is uh, information that they called, they uh, the police called for an ambulance 30 seconds after he that's was right. put on the ground. 38 seconds, that's right. They they Because and, he was, yeah, yeah. And it took 20 minutes 
for that ambulance to arrive. And that's part of what the protracted time on the ground is about, is about them waiting that that maximal restraint technique, the, the instructions say, hold them in this position until the ambulance gets there or, or until you sort of get some sort of relief. So that's what they're doing. And it's bizarre that it takes 20 minutes because the fire department is eight blocks away. It's, it's you know, when there's a crisis, sort of like Katrina, Hurricane Katrina, when there's a crisis and people have to kind of do their jobs properly, you see how, and, and it becomes like a big cause, you see how, you see how things just fall apart. And they fell apart here in, in very bad ways. They also, um, and I'll, I'll let you continue in a second, but you know, there were actually, there were of these four officers that were there with George Floyd, there actually was one officer in particular that was actually trying to help Floyd as he, well, unfortunately, as he was expiring. But you never, you never saw that. You never heard about that. You heard only that this was callousness and you heard that it was murder. As, as we know, Derek Chauvin was accused of murder and is in prison for, I think it's 21 years. I think it's 19, but 19. yeah, something 19, 21, yeah. something like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then of course there's, there's a fair bit about the autopsy, you know, of course the, the first, the, this, the state's coroner, you know, comes to the conclusion that there is no, there was no choking. There's yeah, there's, this is not, this is, this is secondary causes. This was a cardiac arrest. Um, there were, there were underlying conditions. He had COVID, he had a pelvic tumor, he was on, um, fentanyl, and had, meth was found in the body. Yeah, he was. He had a he had a lot of drugs in his system, and um, he had previous prior conditions, and um, that seemed to that coroner to uh, account for how he died. And then I think they brought in didn't they bring in a private coroner of some sort mm -hmm. to do a second um, to do a second investigation? And I don't what I don't recall what the results of that were, but they were more. Uh, in line or friendly to the narrative that he had been killed by the police. Am I am I remembering that correctly? Yeah, that's right. And and there's a suggestion here that the FBI got involved in this. You know that it, that in between the first coroner's report <clears throat> and the the second, in you know, and and there's a there's a really interesting exchange. Um that they show, you know, where I think the coroner says, what happens when the actual evidence doesn't match up with the public narrative? This is the kind of case that ends careers. Well, and, and we see that it did. It ended them uh, involuntarily and it ended them voluntarily, which is something that, um, you know, many people around the country celebrated. They celebrated the fact that what they saw as a deeply racist, problematic police force, which, you know, Minneapolis has had troubles in the past. Um, but they, they want, they want fewer police. There was as recently as I think about a year and a half ago, there was still some sort of referendum to get rid of the police department entirely. Now that hasn't happened. And, and most people actually do not want that. I mean, statistics show every data set, um, show that, but at this point they, they did something which I, Whereas I didn't really like the hand being tipped at the beginning, I thought it was extremely effective toward the end where they showed you the contraction of police officers in Minneapolis, something like from 896 to 532. 
currently. Yeah, they lost 380 police in, a, a, you know, and, and a lot of the police that are being interviewed for this are retired. I mean, they've left yes. the force because of this. That's yes. Uh, why I mean, they're <clears throat> able to, to talk. That's a big, big contraction. You, you, I don't know how you police a city that isn't itself contracting in terms of population um, with, you know, with that many fewer, many fewer uh, officers. And you did have people leave. When I, when I was writing um, about the protests in Portland, there were definitely police officers that were taking early retirement who were been fairly traumatized by what's going on. And they had, Portland had nothing, nothing on what happened in Minneapolis, where there were 1,000 buildings burned. 1,000 buildings. Now, I, this is the number I've read. I, I haven't gone and counted them myself, but I have been there and I have done a tour of someone who was on the ground taking pictures of this. I wrote a post about it. I'll link it in the show notes. Including, and I'd love for you to talk about this a little, including the police station. The police yeah, station, yeah. which by orders of the police chief and the mayor, Jacob Fry, who was a new, yeah. young, very progressive mayor, they were told, abandon, Ab- evacuate. You have however many long, like two hours, go in there, get everything out of that station, everything that's been there for, you know, 30 or 50 years, whatever it was, all memorabilia, all of your stuff, all of the guns, everything, get it out of there and evacuate because we're going to let we are going to, um, I don't know if you would call it allow, but we are going to sacrifice this building. And they did. And they did. And they, these officers, and again, Sarah, if there's anybody who who um, is, you know, agrees with this and think this is a great idea, they think it's a great idea to eradicate the police department or this police department, or maybe they hate listen to our podcast, there are going to be people that go, good, good. We don't want the police. And we are glad that we had the power several days after George Floyd was killed to run them out, literally run them out. They were running for what they believed were their lives. And people, you can see people attacking them. And 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 just one thing before I let you continue, because I've I've covered the sort of demolition of a police department in Portland. When you look at what they did to the police station, okay, you feel that you're right. You are so angry about George Floyd. There is a sort of a mob mentality going on. You are going to get these police out of there and you effectively do that. My great problem every time with this is that people don't on that side do not go in and then say, shoot, man, look at this cool building we have. We're going to build some shit here, man. We're going to make it better. We are going to take what we didn't like. We ran them out of town and now we're going to create something better. No, they just destroy it. They break the windows. They set fires. They poop in there. They break all the desks and that's, and that's it. That's what they do. It's like, what, how, how can you say you, you have the moral upper hand here? What have you done? What have you done that is moral, that is going to help the citizens of your city. And if you say, well, we got the police out of here. Okay. And what did you leave? You left, you left a giant mess for other, for the grownups in the room, essentially to clean up. So, okay. Rant over. Where's my, what, where's my, uh, we need your pants. Yeah, knee jerk, uh, knee jerk, yeah. na- knee jerk, Nancy. Um, <laughs> one of the more affecting parts of the documentary is w- watching the 
police talk about leaving that station. There's a female lieutenant that's interviewed. Um, you know, you can feel that it is... Hello, Smoke and We've Got em listeners. If you are hearing this, that means you have just listened to the free portion of our, oh, I don't know, bi-weekly episodes with Sarah Heppler. Sarah Heppler, who's just so busy right now, she could not record this little uh, interim moment for you. Um, we're happy to have you here as a free subscriber. If you'd like the entire episodes, please go over to smokeempodcast.substack.com and sign up and subscribe. Then you will get the full episodes every week, plus some special things we drop for you on the weekends and our monthly, our first Sunday Zooms. Again, to get the full fig, that is smokeempodcast.substack.com. Thanks.